Hello everybody, it's Ben, and Kirk and I are very pleased to finally get some new content out to you, and we are on the podcast together this time, for the first time in a long time. Unfortunately, the technology we used to do this um, did not live up to our, our usual quality standards, so it may be difficult to understand at a couple points in here, and we had some parts where uh, the sound just cut out entirely, and so I had to do some creative editing to cut around that. Um, you may hear some odd cuts uh, here and there, and we apologize for that but we wanted to give this a whirl and try and get something out to you where we're both on the call together. But this episode overall was meant to be sort of an experiment to see um, see if we can find some workable alternative technology. So we appreciate your, uh, your patience with us as we work through these issues in these, uh, these crazy times. And uh, we appreciate you sticking with us and listening. So again, just thank you very much. And uh, hopefully um, you can understand us well enough to enjoy this content. Enjoy. Welcome to A Lawyer's Guide to the Galaxy, a podcast about geek culture by lawyers with your hosts, Ben Siders and Kurt Damon. And welcome back to A Lawyer's Guide to the Galaxy, the podcast that asks interesting questions that don't have any answers with your host, Ben Siders. That's me. And the other guy who is actually on the call this time is Kurt Damon. And that's actually me. Isn't this amazing? So we are trying something different now uh, to try to make this remote virtual podcasting technology work. We have an utterly bizarre and overly complex technical setup here so that Kirk and I can both be on the call together and record it without having to pay some obscene subscription fees. So if anybody <laughs> out there has ideas for easier ways to do this, uh, let us know. But we're going to we wanted to do this episode as sort of a, a one to catch up because Kirk and I have not been on an episode together in, in months now. We also months. Just, yeah, we want to test how good the technology is and the sound quality and see if you guys can actually hear us both. So. Uh, please do let us know if uh, if this works for you guys. Yeah, this is definitely sort of a unique experiment for us. You know, we've been you guys have been listening to the Adamame episodes that we've been sort of you know, recording on our own. This is us attempting to record together. It is a little odd. Uh, you know, the technology behind this is is a little bit uh, uh, clunky, so to speak. Uh, but we're going to try it and we're going to see uh, what happens. And if this makes sense, we can potentially do episodes like this going forward. Um, you'd think we would have figured out how to do this by now or that it would be easy given the current scenario. It seems like the podcasts I listen to have all figured out how to do this. But uh, they tend to be a, a little more... Um, so we said well-funded than ours is, um, and they uh, obviously spend a lot more time doing it as well. Yeah, they, they have sound technicians who are doing something more sophisticated than looping back their speaker system into the Audacity uh, adapter. So, but I'll say this, <laughs> the, the sign form looks good in Audacity, so I think we're doing okay as far as value. We'll see how the sound quality turns out. So we, we don't, folks, we don't have a planned schedule for this episode. We thought we'd just kind of catch up on uh, kind of how we've been dealing with coronavirus and back to school, uh, maybe a little bit about what we're watching or doing to pass the time, um, and then any interesting legal developments that we sort of know about um, and maybe want to cover more detail in the future. So, Kirk, I'll, I'll let you go first. Um, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Um, I think definitely the, the thing that's on everybody's mind right now is the dealing with back to school. So my kids started, uh, we were on it and planned that the kids would basically do a go back to school, or physically back to school, uh, up until two weeks before school started, uh, at which point in time we went to full virtual. Um, the entire school went to full virtual, and we will be there until at least mid-October. So that's what yeah, used to. It's worked surprisingly well for us. We definitely have had some, we had some sort of technical runaround the first day. 
trying to keep schedule straight has proven to be kind of insane, especially for my daughter who's in sixth grade, just started middle school, school classes. And so just her trying to remember what she's supposed to be when, where the Zoom link for that is and everything else. My son's has been easier. Uh, he only really has one teacher, but he does have some, you know, electives outside. But uh, the first day of class, one of the things they did, because uh, they're all on, um, on uh, iPads that were supplied by the school, was the teacher had them set custom alarms on their iPads for everything they will need to do during the week so that different alarms go off and he knows what all those different alarms mean and what you know phone call he has to get on. So I thought that was an absolutely brilliant idea. That is a great idea. <laughs> it's a way to do it. In fact, he did it as part of class. He you know considers it to be part of class. But it seems to be getting used to, I mean, as of right now, I am recording this podcast my wife is downstairs just recording a lecture for her class as she's a college professor. And both of my kids are currently in other rooms in the house uh, doing their classwork as well. And that's the one thing we've also definitely noticed is just physically finding space for people where it's reasonably quiet. Um, I'm outside, as you know, from a lot of the, the podcasts I've on the episodes I've recorded. So you may get the occasional bird, you may get the uh, occasional construction noise, but they haven't proven to be too much of an issue in the past. But yeah, just our biggest concern right now is just literally finding where can people be at any given time so we're not interrupting each other's calls. Yeah, we're we're a little bit lucky that way where our school, um, although our county doesn't have any mask mandates or anything like that right now, which, um, you know, that's a, a whole separate discussion. But our school district, at least, has designed a way for the kids to go back that uses a combination of virtual learning for some students and then in-person instruction for others. And my, my two boys, my younger boys, are, are, are both on the autism spectrum. So they, they really need to have that in-person instruction, my youngest one especially. Uh, my youngest did not learn hardly anything at the end of the year last year. Uh, he, when we went remote, uh, when this thing ramped up in, in mid-March, um, I mean, he, he did his lessons, but he, we could just tell he wasn't really picking much up. My other son does a little better. He's, uh, his, um, he has fewer behavioral interruptions to his educational experience, but he still uh, benefits from being in school. But all my kids wanted to go back. I've got my two daughters are in junior high now, and then the two boys are still in grade school. And they're all going back with social distancing masks. And we actually spent the summer with my, my youngest autistic son, who he doesn't like to wear clothes, period. He goes around the house wearing nothing but his drawers most of the time. So we spent the summer habituating him to wearing a mask and getting used to it. And, and now he does. So it, it really has worked pretty successfully. But we're, we're watching that situation carefully to make sure that the school, you know, honors the, the protocols and doesn't let people in without masks. And so far, so good. But... We'll see how it goes. It seems like our colleges are not doing nearly as well. My oldest is up in Iowa, and Iowa City is one of the top five cities in the country in terms of, of per capita new outbreaks. And uh, Iowa also has no no global mask mandates or anything like that. So not, I'm not terribly surprised that college students are uh, having fun and socializing without any particular concern about their health. That seems pretty consistent <laughs> from, from my experience being in college. <laughs> Yeah, I think the thing is, I think my wife's a college professor as to what it is. Um, I think, I, in many respects, what I've seen, you would think college would be easier just because you have, you know, people who are a little more adult, um, you know, a little more in, involved in, you know, and understanding what's going on uh, than, you know, younger kids would be. But I think it's also colleges have a lot of unique challenges. And there's been a lot of discussion, you know, recently of exactly what college is. And I think that's what we're seeing a bit now is we're seeing the issues of, 
you know, students coming back and going, you know, hey, why am I here if I can't socialize? Um, and again, my wife's doing, um, she's, so where, where she is at um, St. Louis University, they have some classes which are full virtual. She's in the classes that are full virtual. Um, they have some in-person classes. So it's, it's a little bit of both. Um, there's a lot of um, class options where they have, you know, the same classes both taught in an actual scenario and in a full virtual scenario so that students can sign up for whichever one they preferred. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where I think what we're seeing in colleges is just people, you know, it's trying to deal with the idea that how do you take something which is inherently social as I think we all were at college and that that's one of the the big benefits of college and make it not social. Um, And there's been a lot of discussion is that there's a lot of interesting legal issues, quite frankly, not to talk about any of them specifically here involving it um, regarding, you know, health information and protected health information and, you know, what can colleges do because in many respects you're dealing with people that are essentially adults. And so you've got to deal with, you know, those kind of scenarios around it all the way down to just simple things, you know, related to the issues about, like they say, you know, students tattling on each other uh, and what can school policies do? You know, can a school policy require students to notify people or notify the school that people are not abiding by mask regulations, you know, or not abiding by social distancing, stuff like that. And what does that have an effect? So I think there's just, there's, there's a surprising number of problems there that I think we didn't necessarily see right away. And a lot of them really illegal issues. Again, we're not going to get into here because they're neither of ours area of practice. Um, <laughs> but Interesting stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, setting aside school, what are you guys doing to, to pass the time? We've we've been still <laughs> playing board games, trying to get outside as much as we can. The weather's finally turning decent. Um, still playing on the Minecraft server. Um, not so much the last month because I've been busy with uh, with project work, but we're starting to get back into that. What have you guys been up to? So we have a, one of our big things is um, we have a new pet. It is, it is as, as I, I jokingly refer to it, the house rodent. It's, we got a guinea pig. We had promised we would get our kids a guinea pig when we got back from Disneyland. We got back from Disneyland three days before quarantine began. <laughs> yep. So it was one of those where that did not happen. Uh, we had it sort of pushed it off because of just not wanting to deal with the early stages of quarantine of having to figure out how to get food, how to get supplies for it. Um, we had, we had guinea pigs before the kids were born. So, you know, we knew the basics of what we were getting into and everything like that, but not wanting to deal with, you know, how do we get all this stuff in the early stages of quarantine about a couple of weeks ago, we finally settled into, okay, we're, we're pretty sure we know how to do this. It's not going to be an issue. Uh, we have a cage. It's a little small, but it's one of those that was used as a travel cage for the ones that we had, but we're like, Hey, we can get the basics of it. We can get one. And then it was just a matter of getting one. And I don't know if it's, it's always true, but, you know, we've been looking to try to adopt one from the Humane Society, uh, from the local protective societies. Guinea pigs last about three hours <laughs> at, at uh, animal shelters that we have discovered. It, you pretty much have to be on the email list. And when one comes in, if you like it, you have to immediately call. Wow. And so I think it was the third one we tried to get. And we actually tried to get a pair. And by the time that the, uh, we called, one of the pair had already left the building. <laughs> And that was only uh, a couple of hours in. So it's one of those where, you know, we were able to get one. I believe his, his name currently, uh, his name keeps changing, but I believe currently the name that's being settled on is Sir Guinea, which is coming from, and if any of you guys know the joke, one thing we are definitely watching on TV is Holy Moly, which pretty much the entire family is addicted to. And the mascot of Holy Moly is a gopher named Sir Goat. <laughs> and so <laughs> we, we have to have Sir Guinea, you know, as to what it is. So it's, that's been kind of a range. That's been a lot of what we've been doing. We have definitely played a lot of board games. My son um, has become, he's always been interested in, a, in sort of game design. But he has become very, very interested in sort of doing his own games and designing his own games. Probably half the games we play, 
either he's designed or he has taken the components out of another game and has completely rewritten the rules or has come up with alternate things for it. So an example of like one of those we have right now, uh, my wife happened to pick up the game Seven Wonders. Um, I've heard of that one. I've heard. It is very good. I actually really like the Seven Wonders. It's extremely challenging to figure out how to win. It's a game that plays best with a lot of players. The two-player game, in some sense, the two-player game is both more complicated and more simple. I find it's it's simpler because of the fact that you get a little more information. It's harder in the fact that the information can make it harder to figure out what to do versus your opponent. Because uh, it's a scoring game, and it's a, it's a three-round scoring game, so you play three completely separate rounds um, related to, and you score in each one certain levels, and then your overall score is what wins. But to use the example of what my son has done, my son thinks this is fascinating and has redone the wonders and has come up with new wonders to generate, which include the Empire State Building, having watched a, uh, a thing on the Empire State Building being the eighth wonder of the world, and himself, by referring to himself as being a wonder of the world. Uh, <laughs> so he can actually play with himself being the wonder that you are trying to build. But yeah, that's the kind of thing that we've done with it. So we're definitely doing a lot of games like that. Um, he has the games is entirely designed from scratch. Everything from he has um, I, he's gotten a little bit interested in playing Warhammer with me. I play Warhammer Forty Thousand. For those of you who, who weren't aware of that, he's enjoyed playing that with me. But he's discovered that he those rules are, are too complex and he doesn't like them because they mean he can't win all the time. And so he's developed a version, effectively, of a tabletop war game using his Lego figures. And you know he's he's written pretty much multiple pages of rules for as to how everything affects. It's surprisingly well balanced. That's he did another one. The other big thing we've done, um, we've been watching a lot of TV, much more so than we have. Uh, we talked about, you know, and something you've watched it yet, but, you know, my wife and I watched Picard. We have not been watching a lot of science fiction TV. What we've actually been watching a lot of is science and educational TV. Um, my kids have become utterly addicted to the shows Unearthed, which, by the way, if you're looking for a show for kids because you want something educational, I would highly, highly recommend. Um, basically, they take, it's primarily archaeology, but recently they've gotten into other things. But basically, they take an archaeological site and they use computer graphics and they sort of, as they say, blow it apart. So they'll like pull the bricks apart so you can see what things look like internally or what internal structures look like. And then they oh, yeah. go through a lot of the... Um, the sort of background of way the, the you know what the thing is what it was what they discovered there you know sort of discussions things like that we have learned an enormous amount a lot of things we just plain didn't know uh, and then they recently have started getting now where they, they've done it with the titanic like how did the titanic sink so they take the same process and they do it with the titanic sinking um they just did one recently on why did the hindenburg explode um which is something i knew quite a bit about having just you know, studied at one point in time and so it was uh, you know very interesting to sort of see that if you happen to have Disney Plus and have ever watched um, the uh, Drain series, like Drain the, o- Drain the Pirates um, City or Drain the Titanic, it's a very similar show. I have the feeling it's the same producers, um, but the, the, you know, the show feels similarly, but the way they use the computer graphics and the premise of the show is definitely slightly different. Um, we seem to watching that. They've, kids also watch a lot of How It's Made, which what I think worked out is primarily like a YouTube channel that became a TV show. Uh, we use that a lot as just as something they can watch on their own when we're not around that we don't doesn't bother with it because there's I think it's well over a thousand episodes of it, but every three of them wow. is how they make something. Um, they go through three different things and it's how they make, you know, this. So how do they make, you know, you know, packaged chocolate cookies is immediately followed by how do they make tennis rackets? which is then followed by how do they make electrical transformers, you know? That, that always reminds yeah. me of that Mr. Rogers neighborhood episode that everybody <laughs> has seen where they show how they make crayons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's that kind of thing. And it's, 
it's a lot of big, you know, watching factory machinery go, seeing what the things are. You know, some of the stuff is very handmade. Some of it's highly mechanized. Some of it, they do both. They sort of show that there's alternative ways to do it. But the kids really love it. And some of them are fascinating. And seeing some of the specialized machines are fascinating. But yeah, so there's a lot, that's a lot of what they've been watching. And then we've been watching, for a lot of game shows. It's has been a lot of what we've been doing. How about you? Uh, so a lot of the same stuff for, for games, we've been playing Puerto Rico and we actually, uh, we went up to Minnesota to see my extended family up there and I brought pandemic with, uh, mostly to be funny and ironic, but everybody loved it and had a great time. And my, my nephew, Henry actually, uh, really got into it, really loved it and, and was really good at it too. Uh, so we played a little bit of that and we won both times. So if, if there's any uh, <laughs> prognostication inherent in playing pandemic, uh, we're, we're in, we're, we're in for a short you know, this should all be over soon, shall we say. Uh, so we did that, went tubing up there, uh, took the kids to the Great Wolf Lodge, uh, which had very strict masking requirements. We've been watching TV also. Uh, my wife and I recently got into Community with um, uh, Joel McHale, I think. It's sort of a, a quirky, weird show that we tried to watch when it first came out, and we only got like two episodes in and just couldn't get into it. But it turns out that like the third and fourth episode is where it really turns a corner and becomes just bizarre in a delightful and super geeky way so if you haven't seen that uh definitely check it out it starts out as kind of a garden variety um sitcom it's about a guy who lied about his undergraduate degree to get into law school and then later he's found out and loses his uh his uh bar license and has to go back to community college to finish his degree so you have this one you know in theory sharp lawyer uh at community college doesn't want to be there but it really turns into a whole lot of like fourth wall breaking and meta stuff. A lot of geek references. It's got uh, Chevy Chase is in it. The the younger Glover kid, I can't remember his name. Uh, Donald Glover, I think, the one that played Lando Calrissian. He's in it. Uh, it's it's got a, a great cast. It's it's really funny and well done. So uh, the the first three to four seasons are amazing. There's a lot of episodes that just riff on like TV and movie tropes. But they just exaggerated to a ridiculous extent in this this stupid community college setting. It's just it's really well done and funny. So I definitely recommend that to everybody. At least the first couple of seasons. It kind of tapers off after that. But the first few are really good. Since I don't have sports this fall, my my Hawkeyes are not going to play because the Big Ten's canceled sports. So my wife and I are designing a a fake football season where each week we're just going to watch a random Iowa game from the past on a random game like a fun game. Uh, each week and just pretend that we have football because we we very much miss that and then of course the blues got bounced out of the hockey playoff so there's no hockey to watch either for us that's interesting at least so that's been kind of sad for uh for us on the on the sports front but otherwise yeah a lot of the same stuff we tried watching the zach efron series that was on um where he does like environmental things or just interesting things cities are doing for sustainability if you haven't seen that it's really good the first episode we only seen the first two episodes the first one they went to iceland and we're looking at how like the geothermal uh, energy works and uh and doing some like uh foraged food and drinks really interesting very much makes me want to go visit iceland and then we watched the second one where they talked about the the free public water system in paris which is really interesting. So uh, definitely, definitely worth watching. Though that's as far as we've gotten on watching them. We haven't uh, gotten much further. The other one I forgot that we've actually taken to watching a lot recently, and the kids discovered on uh, Disney Plus. Um, so I started them on, and my kids are actually going to really like it. Is Muppets Now? The first episode of Muppets Now is a little rough. Um, it, it doesn't quite click. I think they had a little trouble figuring out that the, the, there's 
there's like seven or eight different segments. I mean, it's kind of arranged the same way it is. It's done modern, so it's a, it's done as streaming. The segments and scooters, you know, control of them is all the control over this, the um, streaming. But the um, a couple of the episodes in the first one just kind of didn't click. The human guests, it didn't seem to really make sense. I mean, it, it's it's it says a lot about the show when they interview RuPaul, and it's not real funny. And so we didn't really watch it. And my daughter kind of wanted to go back and watch another one. So we ended up watching the second and third episodes together. And the third episode, it clicked. Like all of a sudden the show seemed to start to click. A few of the segments are definitely better. The, my favorite episode when they did the whole thing and definitely my favorite thing in the newest stuff is the science. Uh, they still have Bunsen Honeydew and Beaker and it's very classic as we expected. It's got real science, but it's really strange science. So there's one where they basically, you know, we're going to talk about pressure and basically what pressure is, is them taking a high pressure press and squishing things in it. Um, you know, there's another one where it's, you know, what happens when we launch pizza against the wall, you know, and stuff <laughs> like that. And but the characters really work in that the humans that they have in that seem to interact much better with the Muppets. Um, you know, I don't know if it's because of just who they are, because they're obviously not celebrities by any stretch of the imagination. They're just people that they have. No, scientists, they're uh, nerds. We, we're, we're, we nerds are all used to having imaginary friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, switching gears, um, how about on the legal side real quick? Let's maybe do five or ten minutes on any interesting legal developments that we want to talk about. And uh, and then we'll we'll call it, call it a wrap. Some of it may be, um, you know, sort of adjusting. Yeah, I think, you know, future episodes or introducing future episodes. Two things that jump immediately to my mind of, of IP things we should potentially talk about. About. One of which is uh, for anybody who's been aware of the Alice scenario, um, what I think most people are referring to now is the garage door opener case. The basics of this, so Alice is a scenario that essentially where they were finding certain com- primarily computer inventions, uh, also certain biotechnical based inventions, unpatentable uh, because they were effectively abstract. They, they weren't concrete things. So you look at the idea of computer software not being a thing, sort of the best way to sort of say it. It's been a very controversial finding. It's based upon a Supreme Court case, which is Alice versus CLS Bank. The garage door opener case had to do with what is effectively this a, a, a cylinder for, for opening a garage door. And that was found to be abstract. And a huge number of people looked at it and went, wait a minute, you know, how do you get more mechanical than this? You know, isn't this the you know, stereotypical better mousetrap? How on earth is this abstract? What's going to be interesting, I think, in that case, um, my understanding is it is headed to the Supreme Court, or at least, you know, is going to be, um, you know, briefly or uh, requested for a review by the Supreme Court. I don't know where exactly it stands, but I, I cannot believe that it will not be at least be requested and the Supreme Court may take it. I don't know exactly what the status of it is. But, you know, we might see something come out of that uh, in, in appeal, or we may very well see congressional action. I think there's a lot of organizations that are really looking at it and saying, you know, this decision is ludicrous. You can't be saying, you know, literally mouse traps or, you know, or cars or, you know, the other one I think is particularly interesting. And I may do an Edamame episode on this. I think it's a particularly interesting case. And I want to look into the facts of it. I believe it's Florida has now found that an individual cannot enforce his patent. Uh, he has a patent. He's a legitimate patent holder, but he is not allowed access to the courts to enforce his patent. And the individual in question is currently incarcerated by the state of Florida. And so they've said he does not have access to federal courts underneath it. He only has access to state courts. And so I think that's a very interesting case. And that's one I may very well be doing an Edamame episode on, or we may do an episode on in the future, just because I think the implications of that are extremely interesting. 
um, as to sort of what it means about state versus federal law. The idea of saying, you know, that somebody who has a who has a you know legitimate property right, you know, a federally granted property right, is not allowed to enforce it. I think is the inc- extremely yeah, interesting that, that idea is... behind this. You know, regardless of the fact that you could design around it, you could work around it. You know, and what does that mean? Um, you know, for an implication beyond that. So that's a case that I, I really I, I haven't a chance to dig into it. I've only just seen it in sort of secondary press. So what, one that I just learned about the other day, uh, we've talked about the Fortnite dance lawsuits. There's another Fortnite lawsuit going on, and it's over the use of um, uh, emotes in Fortnite. Yep. Like, and I, I, I don't, of course, I don't play it, so I don't know what they are. But apparently, there are certain emotes you can do, which I think aren't dance moves, but might still be considered choreographic. Like, like somebody's trademarked. You know, I, I can't think of an example, but like a a certain type of handshake or something like that. That would be like I think you do like a dob um, and like. Of celebrations. It's think like a touchdown celebration. It's kind of my understanding. You know, the dance yeah. move is the more extreme version of it, but spiking the ball is obviously also a touchdown celebration. Yeah. Well, what's interesting to me is that World of Warcraft has had this since it launched. Like the the, the night elves do like a Michael Jackson dance. Uh, the Torrens do like a raise the roof thing. Um, the, uh, I think the humans maybe do some kind of Michael Jackson thing too. So there's all these different dance styles, and they release an expansion called Dire Mall which was uh, populated by ogres, and they would, at random times, jump up and do, like, five seconds of Chris Farley's Chippendales routine from Saturday Night Live. As far as I know, they never got <laughs> sued for any of that. So it's, an, a, yeah. it's curious to me, maybe I'm wrong, but it's curious to me that Fortnite is the target of so much litigation, but other games that, that at least on the surface, seem to do similar types of borrowing, which I, I would say is fair use, probably, or at least there's a reasonable fair use argument, for something like dabbing, you know, um, but like, but regardless, Fortnite's attracting all this litigation in a way that I don't think World of Warcraft did. I, we should probably research that and see. But I just, I don't recall hearing about any, any of those disputes with World of Warcraft the way that Fortnite seems to be in the news constantly. Yeah, I mean, some of it may also just be it's you know what the you know the extent and size of Fortnite. I mean, obviously, Fortnite is a unique phenomenon, and even in the video gaming industry. Yeah, for sure. So um, I've got a couple other things kind of uh, on the back burner, and then you mentioned Picard earlier. I meant to come back to that. So I've Kirk. So for those of you out there, Kirk has already given me his thoughts on that, which I have so far refused to listen to because I want to watch it and and not have my <laughs> opinion influenced by by Kirk. So. But I, I will get to it eventually. I just haven't done it yet. And then I'll put Kirk and my stuff together and we'll we'll come up with something uh, for, my, for an my, episode on that. We, we need to do more Star Trek coverage for sure. Yeah, they also just released on CBS All Access. I know uh, with it, they now have lower levels, Star Trek lower levels, which is yes, the animated lower decks. I believe. I believe it's set in Next Generation. I can't remember. It's set on the, the, one of the Enterprises, either the original or the Next Generation Enterprise. And it's, you know, animated, it's supposed to be a comedy, essentially a sitcom of, you know, what occurs with sort of the, the, the general menials on board the, uh, the Enterprise. I we contemplated watching that. We've since canceled um, all access just because there was nothing else we really wanted to watch on it, quite frankly. Uh, we were contemplating Twilight Zone, but, you know, we, we weren't watching that much. My wife has been catching up on what's on her DVR. Uh, but yeah, unless we may do it again, um, again, I just think those shows are interesting and we're seeing what it is. I've had a number of other people who keep telling me I need to uh, get Netflix and watch some of the, uh, uh, the Netflix science fiction shows that some of them are just stellar. Yes. Um, I'm going to recommend devs D E V S. Um, it's got yep. Nick Offerman and, and some other sort of emerging, uh, up and coming actors. Um, I think it's a little overrated. Like people have suggested that one to me and just gushed over it. I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. I thoroughly enjoyed the premise. It gets a little artistic at, at certain points, and not. I mean, I, I like I like film as art, but 
this got artistic in a way that that kind of fell flat. Where I was like, all right, you've got 20 minutes of content, and this isn't art. This is just filling 45 minutes of screen time. Um, so there's some of that stuff where the the the, the cinematography and the directing got a little um, uh, a little too impressed with itself. But overall, the the conceptually, the ideas they introduce are absolutely fascinating. But like any any kind of science fiction show, the hardest part is wrapping it up in a way that is uh, uh, satisfying and coherent. And and I felt like devs really stumbled in the last twenty minutes of the show, basically. But st- still worth the watch for sure. Um, if you've ever seen any movie ever, you'll see the the plot twist coming. It's the 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 show <laughs> seems more impressed by the cleverness of its writing than I was. But um, it's it's still it's still very um, the process of watching the show was very satisfying. Even if the end is you is feels a little bit like a like a punt. Like okay, well, all, all right, fine, that's fine. But uh, I wasn't. Uh, I was waiting for something a little smarter, a little more clever, and I, I think they, they it just wasn't there. So, but uh, de- definitely worth the investment if you're any kind of sci-fi geek, especially if you're really into like cosmology, determinism, um, uh, quantum physics, things like that. It gets deep into those uh, those concepts and and different worldviews of is there a multiverse or or is there a deterministic universe? Uh, so re- really, really excellently well done and hardcore science stuff. I don't know if the science is right or not. But what they present is hardcore science. It's not for the faint of heart. That's cool. Yeah, I, I know. I used to um, when I was a kid. I used to read quite a bit of the, you know, the the science science fiction. I think it's you know, commonly referred to as hardcore science fiction. Um, I always remember being classified as the Red Mars trilogy. Um, you know, which you know are gigantic books. I mean, rivaling Game of Thrones. Um, you know, in conjunction with it is that you know their size and. You know, three quarters of it is how do we terraform Mars? The remaining quarter is the story. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, uh, so speaking of Mars, I also started watching The Expanse, which I forget which network it's on, but I'm about four episodes in, and that is excellent. Um, it's based on a book series, which I have not read, but the premise is that the Earth and Mars are now independent politically, and then there's a third political group that's basically colonies that live in the, in the asteroid belt. And um, there's sort of a, a brewing war that's about to happen uh, amongst these three, a lot of uh, intrigue and, uh, and political uh, machinations. So that, that so far is, is really excellently done. It reminds me a lot in terms of tone and uh, um, a visual style. It's a little bit total recall, uh, kind of, a, kind of greer. Yeah. Especially that was my immediate with, uh, take of total the, recall. The actually. Yeah. And then, um, the, but but plot-wise, it kind of mirrors the structure of this book called "The Stars My Destination" by Alfred Bester, uh, yeah, which was yeah, written, I think, in the thirty. Yeah, yeah, which is basically the Count of Monte Cristo in space. Uh, that's that's the story. Uh, but the the setting is kind of the same way. We have Earth, Mars, and asteroid belts, and sort of a, a dispute about uh, amongst and between those. That that show also really tries to get the science right. Like when asteroid belt people come to Earth, they're not used to the gravity. They have to sit in like tanks because they can't. Their bones are too brittle to handle Earth's gravity. It's it's really interesting and well done. The terraforming of Mars plays a big part in the plot. Um, it's a it's a really neat show. So I've I'm, I've I've been told it kind of peters out after a couple of seasons, but I'm in season one. I watch it on the treadmill, and so far I'm thoroughly enjoying that. So check out the Expanse. Well, cool. it's been uh, almost fifty minutes. Let's let's wrap it up, and uh, we'll uh, we'll plan to have a little more structure for our next episode, and maybe have sort of a 
a more traditional lawyer's guide to the galaxy episode where we pick one topic and then just uh, beat beat it to death with inhumane <laughs> detail and specificity. Yeah. And we're going to certainly try to keep you guys having content. We know like this whole, you know, thing, our, our content has obviously been very irregular and it's probably going to stay somewhat irregular um, just because of the nature of, you know, what this is and the fact that sort of everything is irregular right now. Um, but you know, we're sort of keep you guys getting at least some content. So, you know, hopefully you stay subscribed so you can get that, you know, fun download of something new. Yeah. And you guys, you listeners are, are, are killing it, man. I mean, we only had one episode so far. Uh, I think in all of August, we released one episode, maybe two, and we had more downloads than we had in July when I think we had five or six. So we have a, we have a, a very dedicated audience. And also we got an email from our friend in, in was it Clinton or Clayton, Mississippi? I forget which, but uh, we mentioned uh, whoever that is on the episode a couple times ago, and uh, he has since emailed us to uh, to say, oh, hey, that's me. So, yes, yeah, so, so we do, in fact, have presence in Mississippi. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all for this time. We'll see you next time. Will Lauren play us out? The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Lewis Rice LLC, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. This podcast was produced and recorded in St. Louis, Missouri. 